looking at our series. What could have been? Last week looked at a little bit of perspective on the life of Samson. You know, we can be hard on him a little bit, but we, what we need to learn is that any of us could be a Samson. But when we're going to look at a passage tonight, we're going to look at this last chapter of his life. We're going to look at this chapter in Judges, Judges chapter 16. We're going to look at this chapter. We're going to do, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to do some touching on some areas specifically. We're going to focus on that and his relationship with Delilah. And when we look at this passage of scripture, I don't know if you ever read something and you're looking, what in the world are you thinking? Amen. When you look at this and the, the whole thing, with Delilah, what in the world are you thinking? You know, the same thing happens today. A lot of guys get trapped up with the wrong woman. What in the world are you thinking? Right? And so we're going to look at that tonight. And Samson, we consider to be a great man. God used him greatly. But Job gives us great insight in Job 32 in verse number 9. Verse number 9. And this is something that, uh, you know, we look at different ones and we see how God used them, but yet they made very critical mistakes. And Pastor Harvey was very, very uh, wise in this, and he reminded me of this very often, of this verse right here. And if we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the Word of God, uh, we'll get to our memory verse time at the end if we have time. So we're trying to hurry along here. Job 32, verse number 9. I'm just going to warn you, the verses are going to be on the, on the screen. I'm going to be in overdrive tonight. I'm going to be moving quick. Okay, so don't try and turn and follow me. Just write the verses down and we're going to be moving through here. So Job 32, verse number eight, and it says this, but there, oh, sorry, verse number nine, great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Let's read that again, verse number nine. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you would bless tonight this message. Lord, that we would take the warning from it. And we look at Samson, we scratch our head and say, what was he thinking, Lord? We know that he was trapped and in bondage, even though he was a strong man, a man given strength by you, yet he was in bondage to his lust. We just pray, Lord, that you would help us to see how dangerous that can be. And Lord, that we would not, this verse would not be true of us, that used use us greatly and that we would behave ourselves wisely in your house. We ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of the Lord, your word says. And I pray that tonight, not only that, we know how to behave ourselves in our daily life. Help us to see the example of Samson. You used him greatly, Lord, but also he had a great downfall. And I pray tonight we would see it and understand it and learn from it tonight. We pray your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What could have been the downfall of God's man? Samson's life from the very beginning we see was of a miracle of God. He had the vow of a Nazarite upon him. And we see from the very beginning that he liked to walk the line with things. And now we see that he got away with it, it would appear. We know that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. So this is near the end of Samson's life, what we're going to read tonight. So we're in Judges chapter 16 tonight. So I want us to use that as a jumping off point. How do we know, how do we, what do we, how do we make sense of what's going on with Samson? How in the world um, uh, that did he come to the place of being 
destroyed. How in the world did he get to the place? How did he get mixed up with someone like Delilah? How in the world did this happen? Well, number one tonight, we're going to look at the affliction of a strange woman. The affliction of a strange woman. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I preached a message uh, about beware of the strange woman. So I encourage you, if you want to know more about that, go back to sermonaudio.com and listen to that message. Uh, going through all the verses in Proverbs, and there are a lot of them that deal with strange women, uh, knowing specifically strange in her ways, but also strange in her religion and strange in her uh, uh, in her uh, nationality. So that's the idea behind the strange woman in the book of Proverbs. Delilah fits that to a T. She's pagan. She's strange in her ways, amen. She is not, uh, not moral at all. Uh, and we also see that uh, she had an ulterior motive. So uh, we see his sin in verse number one. And then Samson went to Gaza and saw there in Harlot and went in under her. You notice something that when he, he sees a pretty girl, uh, he does something about it. We see in Timnath, he saw that she pleaseth me well. Didn't even know her. Uh, then afterwards, he goes and gets to know her and talks with her. Uh, then we see here in Gaza uh, that she goes and sees a harlot, a prostitute, a wicked woman. It says he goes in unto her and commits sin. Uh, there are some that try and say, well, you know, he went into her house and nothing happened. Really? Uh, this is a biblical term, uh, sin that took place. And we see that even in the midst of that, you see that uh, bound to his lust and sin, but then we see the miracle of him taken in his strength, that the Spirit of God came upon him, and that he took the gates of that city, carried him on his shoulders. Uh, he was about to be entrapped. God still delivered him. You know, we look at the number of chances God gave Samson. Amen. God gave him chance after chance after chance. Amen. But there came a time, and that's what we're going to look at today. There came a time where there are no more chances. So let's not presume upon the grace of God. Well, God gave me a chance. I got away with it. You don't get away with anything. The time for paying for sin was coming for Samson. And so we see in verse number four, so after that, uh, he didn't learn from that experience. And once again, he was where he wasn't supposed to be. Just like he was in that vineyard and that lion came upon him. He was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. And as our memory verse for this week, 1 Peter 5, 8, which we're going to get to quoting here in a minute, that that lion was there to roar upon him and God delivered him, but he was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. Again, he's in a harlot's house in Gaza, not where he's supposed to be. And God delivered him and we see here that in verse number four and it came to pass afterward he's not getting the picture amen he's not getting it he's not getting oh I'm getting away with this verse four and it came to pass after that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah oh we know trouble's coming with Delilah but we see as we look through this passage we're going to read parts of it here. I want to tell you about the hallmarks of a strange woman. Delilah fits the hallmarks of a strange woman to a T. So here are the hallmarks of a strange woman. Number one, she's a smooth talker. She's a smooth talker. Proverbs 5, 3 says, for, her lips of, for the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Don't you think Delilah 
flattered Samson. Oh, you're so strong, Samson. You're so handsome, Samson. You know, and those things. And he loved her. Yes, she was pretty, but also loved her for what she told him. Proverbs 6, 24, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Uh, but we see, notice something here. I want it, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the second thing that we need to learn about a strange woman, first, she's a smooth talker. Second, she is a chameleon, Proverbs 5, 6. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of her life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. What does that mean? That a strange woman, she's going to change her tactics. If she can't get you one way, she'll get you another way. Amen. Uh, and she's going to change her tactics, use different tactics, just like you use different baits for different fish. The strange woman knows which type of bait to use. Can I tell you something? The strange woman has nothing but her own selfish interest at, in mind. And that's exactly what we see about Delilah. All she's concerned, all the harlot is concerned about is making money. And use selling her body to make money. That's, a, that's all she's concerned about. And we see that's all that Delilah is concerned with. We're going to see that in just a minute. Uh, the third thing, she is provocative. She is provocative in Proverbs 7, 10 through 15. And behold, there met him a woman with the entire number of harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth that wait at every corner. So she's subtle of heart, acting like she's so soft and quiet and meek. But in reality, she's loud and stubborn, doing what she wants to do. And so she says, she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have a peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee. So she's on the prowl. She's looking. She's provocative, going and kissing a stranger and saying, come to me. I, I have been looking for you. You've all I've ever wanted. What a lie. She's provocative and men like that. Men like to be flattered. Okay? He's like, well, I don't like... Well, men like to be told they do a good job, right? Don't we like to hear that? We like to be praised. We like to hear that we're, you know, we're strong. You know, ladies, I hope you tell your husbands that, you know, they're strong, right? And, and those things, you know. Uh, men like to have their ego stroked. And the strange woman knows just how to do that. So the, what ended up happening with the strange woman? So we know these are the hallmarks of a strange... Let's see if Delilah fits that... Bill, uh, and let's see, and the lords of the Philistines, remember there are five of them, came up to her in verse number five of chapter 16 and said unto her, entice him. That seems like a great woman, right? Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said, and so we, we don't see whether she agrees to it, but then we see later on, she starts asking, hey, Samson, how are you so strong? Where's your great strength lie? She agrees to portray Samson for 5,500 pieces of silver. They offer her 1,100 apiece. There's five lords, 5,500 pieces of silver, a rich woman beyond her wildest dreams. And it was worth it to her to portray Samson. She had nothing but her own selfish interest at mind. She didn't care about Samson. All she cared about, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Even though, what does it say here, verse 4, in that he loved a woman. He cared about her, though he shouldn't have, because he wasn't to be interested in strangers of the land. He was to be in, why, what was wrong with the Hebrew women back home? We know that uh, there was fair women there that he could have married and been with, but no, he wanted the forbidden fruit. 
You know, they were stuffy. You know, they followed the rules. He wanted that which was not supposed to be his. And he loved her. He cared about her. But she did not care about him. So we see the plot to entrap Samson. And so four deadly questions. Four deadly questions. Let's read what they are. Verse 6, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, where thy great strength lieth, and where thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Let's pause for a moment. Does that sound like a strange question? I mean, Samson, why in the world does this coming up in casual conversation, you know, he's in there eating the, eating the dinner, um, you know, eating the dinner she made, you know, sitting there. Oh, by the way, Samson, how can someone bind you so they can imprison you and kill you? How does, how does that work? And, you know, Samson doesn't bat an eyelash. Well, he knows what she's trying to do. Can I just say something? In this whole passage, Samson knows what she's trying to do. And so what does he do? He lies to her. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then I said, okay, so then she's like, okay, she goes and tells them. And then verse 8, then the lords of the Philistines brought him to her seven green widths, which had not been dried. And here's the thing, and she bound him with them. He must have been a sound sleeper. You read this, and this is just incredible. So she binds him. Don't you think it was strange that uh, your girlfriend ties you up? Right, exactly, and by the way, with exactly the thing that you said would make you weak as other men. So we see this here, uh, and now verse 9, Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the whiz, so these were uh, like ropes, as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire, so his strength was not, uh, so his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, where thou mightest be bound? So here it is. She says, You mocked me. And he was. He was in probably doing this in jest. We don't know. But, oh, okay, she wants to play a game. I'll play the game. You play around with sin. It's going to get you. And so now, because he said, I've gotten away with it. <laughs> Let's go do this again. And... Verse 11, he saith unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as other men. Deliah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith. Once again, Samson, get a clue, man. You're tied up with the second thing. And said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber, and he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And I always wondered, what happened to those Philistines that were in that room? Probably he killed them. He doesn't say he did, but he probably did. So then he goes on, or they ran because they saw, probably they knew his strength. They saw him do it, and they ran because they knew what was going to happen. Well, so why would Samson, why? We ask the question, why in the world? He thought he was invincible. He thought, ha, see, I can do this. And then Delilah said unto Samson, verse 13, And here with her too thou hast mocked me and told me lies, Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head. You notice something. We're getting closer. So just so, first it was like saplings, like the sapling, like rope you would make. Uh, then it was rope. So bidding, now he said, Well, if you weave the seven locks of my head. So he's getting closer to the truth. Remember, were those seven locks of his head, were they holy? 
Yes, they were the sign of God's presence in his life. And so he says, well, I'm going to tell her a half-truth. This is where my strength lies in my vow, but I'm not going to tell her the whole thing. I'm just going to tell her part of it. And maybe hoping she's going to give up on this, but she continues. So what happens? Weaves his head, uh, hair into a weaver's beam, and he says, I'll be weak like other men. Then verse fifteen, she said, uh, verse fourteen, she fastened it with the pin and said to him, "The Philistines be upon thee, Samson." And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. So he had a weaver's beam hanging from his hair. How that didn't hurt, I don't know. But and she said unto him, "How canst thou say I love thee?" So he must have had strong roots too. I don't know. Uh, and when thine heart is not with me, now we see this, verse fifteen, and she gets to. Cuts him to the heart. Remember, he loves her. He cares about her. So verse 15, she knew exactly what to say. She said, how canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? How can you say you love me if you don't trust me? Well, lady, I would think there was three other times that you all of a sudden I'm bound with with uh, green sapling trees, that I'm bound with a rope, and then a weaver's beam in my hair. And there's Philistines in here every single time, say, the Philistines be upon me. There would be a reason I don't trust you. If he was thinking, he wasn't thinking. Thou hast mocked me these three times, and thou hast, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And verse 6, and here it is, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. And urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. What does Proverbs say? It's better to dwell on the rooftop, right? Than to dwell in the house with what kind of woman? Contentious. So this is what's going on. So he is there and vexed unto death. He's literally saying, she is bothering me so much, I just wish I could die. And then she wore him down. And that brings us to point number two, the bondage of God's man. Samson was a strong man, but he had one weakness, bondage to beautiful women, a bondage to the desires of the flesh. We already see how he sinned with a harlot, and now we see him going after another conquest, Delilah. How could Samson, God's man, be so entangled in, with sin? Remember what we looked at in Proverbs 31, 3. Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Do not give your strength to women and be bound by a strange woman. That's what he did. Though a man endued with God's power, he had deceived himself that he would be okay with doing this. Galatians 6, 7, 8. Be not deceived. God is is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So now we see, verse 17, that so that a soul was vexed unto death, so that he told her all his heart. She got it out of him even though she, he had no reason to trust her. Knowing, probably thought, well, I'll tell her this, 
and she won't do it. Even though she's done the other three things, she won't do this one. All his heart, he says, there hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath shewed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up on her and brought money in their hand. So she said, I know what's going to happen. I have the goods. I have the information. So let's seal the deal. You're going to pay me before I do this. First night, and she made him sleep upon her knees. Don't you think? I just, this is just incredible. Knowing what he had told her. Oh, Samson, you go to sleep on my lap. Don't you think he knew what was going to happen? No, it won't happen to me. Now, she wouldn't do that. She loves me. She tells me she loves me. She loves me. She cares about me. I mean, I don't know if I said, Samson, you're an idiot. We can be idiot guys. We can be idiots. And it's like, what in the world is going on? And she said, she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Sorry, Becca flashcards, it wasn't her that cut the hair, it was the servant. Okay, have you ever seen that? Yep, it was the servant that cut the hair, not her. Biblical accuracy is important. Here we go. To shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And here it is. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Here it is. And this is the sad part. And he wist not, he did not know that the Lord was departed from him. Why did he, how did he not know that? Because he had been living for himself so long. Yes, God had used him, but he was living for his flesh and for himself. So that he was so callous to sin, he didn't even notice when the Holy Spirit's presence was gone from his life. And what happens? But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. So we see the bondage of God's man. He had all of these things, but he was a man God wanted to use to deliver Israel from the Philistines, but he was bound by his lust. And number three, the fall from the tall cliff. Remember that Samson had walked the line of his vow many times. Many times he had walked the line. 20 years he had judged Israel. He had walked the line with a dead lion. With the honey and the dead lion, he wasn't supposed to come near a dead body. He had walked the line with by being in the vineyard. He wasn't even supposed to be uh, eat anything of a grapevine or grapes or anything. He had walked the line by being with strange women. Now all that walking the line, he knew now he was where the devil wanted him to be. Say you can walk, and that's what the devil loves to do. You can walk the line. You can walk the line, and he'll hold off his 
uh, destruction of you for a while. He'll hold off. He'll get you, lull you into a false sense of security. He'll lull you into a place where you know what? I can get away with this. We know that God is not mocked. But here we see the devil comes in for the kill for Samson. And just as he had walked the line in all these places, he thought he could walk the line with Delilah. He could even walk the line with his very vow to God. But it didn't work. And here's the sad part. Verse 19. The shave off the seven locks of his head. And it's interesting. And she began to what? Afflict him. And his strength went from him. She was not a blessing to his life. She was not an helpmeet for him. She was an affliction to him. So is every woman who is only interested in manipulating to get what she wants. An affliction to a man, not a help. I just tell you something, young man, if you find a young lady and you find out she's trying to manipulate things and trying to move things around, trying to manipulate the way she wants things, then you better run far away. Because you're going to have a lifetime of that, and it's going to make you miserable. Delilah was the master manipulator and got Samson right where she wanted him to be. And you know, she didn't bat an eyelash. Okay, go and kill him. I don't care. I got money. I got what I wanted. We do not know why Samson did not wake out of sleep when these deeds were done to him, but in any case, they were done. This question I asked, why didn't you wait? I'm a light sleeper. I don't understand. Maybe he was a heavy sleeper. I don't know. But why did Samson keep going back to this woman? Why? He's like, what in the world? Why in the world did he keep going back every single time to this woman? Went after she was doing things to him to try and, you know, did he not put two and two together? Hey, you're bound and then the Philistines are there. You're bound and the Philistines are there. Your head's weaving in a beam and the Philistines are there. There's a connection here, Samson. Did, or did she just bat her eyelashes? I have no idea how those men got in here. And I have no idea how that got on your head. I have what happened, Samson? I don't know. I didn't tell anybody. Oh, it was just some coincidence, I guess. He was lying to himself. First John two sixteen. For all that is in the world, this is why. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's what bound Samson. She was a woman that pleased him well. The lust of the flesh. She was, she was a beautiful woman, the lust of the eyes. He was bound by that, and she was a flatterer. Oh, Samson, you're so strong. You protect me. You take care of me. All of those things, the pride of life. By the way, if your wife is telling you those things, wonderful. She should be telling you those things. But if another woman is telling you those things, you better run far away. Right, gentlemen? On social media, oh, you know what? You know, the, that girl from high school, she messaged you, pops up there. Oh, I just want to catch up with you because you were always such a nice man and you were just this. You know what? And, I, and uh, you know, I know I broke up with you, but I begin to think about maybe I should have not done that. And you know what? My life's been a mess and I'm divorced now. And I just want to let you know how much I care about you and how much I really am thankful for your spiritual encouragement of me. Yeah, the lady's like, ha, 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 we buy it. Okay, guys, buy it, okay? I'm just that. oh, you know, why? Because it's flattery. Can I tell you something, guys? You know what you do? Is you what you do? The next person that should respond to her is your wife. 
Let her handle it. Well, she might be mean. Good. That woman has no business telling you such junk. And ladies, be Christian. Be be Christ-like. Right? Repent, you wicked woman. Okay, you know. You know, we just, no, you get, protect your husband. Amen. By the way, uh, guys, you shouldn't be having social media or any kind of profiles your wife doesn't know about or doesn't have access to. Ladies, that goes for you too. Don't be falling for that, for that gentleman, you know, that, what, that you met at work and like, hey, can we be friends on Facebook? No. Young ladies, don't be, don't be being friends with all these guys online. Oh, they're just friends. Right. Right. I'm trying to get done early, so we'll, we'll continue on here. He was hooked. She flattered him. That unseen bondage was ultimately his downfall. I can, ending up a scorn and a blight on the name of God. A blind, poor man who was used only to grind wheat like an animal. To be made fun of and used for sport like an animal. By the way, this is exactly what sin will do in a person's life. The devil is going to promise you everything and then he's going to blind you, kick you to the curb and make you grind like an animal and laugh at you and say, ah, look, you believed me. You really believe that you are going to get away with it. I knew you wouldn't, but you're exactly where I want you to be. And that's where he wants every Christian. So don't buy it. This is exactly what Satan wants to do with you. But God in his mercy, we see at the end of it here, what happens? Chapter 16, verse 25, and, and it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson. Oh, sorry, verse 24, and when the people saw him, they praised their God, which Dagon, for they said, our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson, that he may make a sport, that they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. So they wanted to make fun of him. Ha, see the great man of God. Let's make fun of this guy. Oh, he's killed many of us, but look who's, the, look who's in charge now. We are. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars wherewith, whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. For the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. What was going on? So there's like a pantheon, and all five lords of the Philistines are there. And verse 28, and this is an interesting prayer. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, now the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. 
And his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Ishtael in the burying place of Manoah his father, and he judged Israel twenty years. And that closes the life of Samson. We look at what a bittersweet ending to his life. That unseen bondage was his downfall. But God in his mercy allows Samson to avenge himself. But also, remember this, that God allowed this. Why? Because these men, 3,000 people were saying, how great our God is. In the end, it was God who showed himself strong. But it's interesting. To avenge himself, it says here, for what? For his two eyes. They had gouged them out. They had made him blind. And all of this, that's all Samson could think about, was his two eyes. You're thinking, why did he think about his two eyes? So I want revenge because they blinded me. But also think of this, because it was his two eyes that caused him to sin. Remember, he looked on those women and decided to make a decision based on his eyes. Isn't it interesting the sin that caused him to fall was exactly what the, Philist- what the Philistines took away from him? Isn't that interesting? They took his sight away. See, that's how we got you, and now we're going to blind you physically, even though he had been blinded, spiritually speaking. Now he wanted to make that right with God and bring God's judgment on these wicked people. For Samson knew now how blind he had been. Now he sought to be used by God one more time. Let's ask this question. Is this the end that God intended for Samson? No, I don't think so. I don't think this is what God intended. God, no doubt, had many more years of service in Samson's future. He was only in his 40s, most probably. He had only judged for 20 years probably started judging when he was in his mid-twenties or even thirties, so he might have been 50 at the oldest. He still had a life to live for God, but it ended up in taking his own life. Yes, he killed all the five lords of the Philistines, and really the Philistines never fully recovered all the way after this, even though, and David finished up driving out the Philistines and ending their rule as a nation under King David, but that was for several more centuries Will we learn the lesson of Samson? That we cannot take God's calling and enablement for granted? It's too often that we hear about God's men that God has called that have a calling upon their life and then they're messing around with sin, namely pornography. They're messing around with sin. The ones that are called of God to be the preachers and we wonder why our country is in a mess. And I'll give you a little bit of a hint about Sunday morning's message. Be here Sunday morning. And what happens when a nation is judged by God? Well, we learn from 1 Peter that judgment begins where? At at the house of God. So don't think it's going to happen in the White House first. I don't know if I want to come on Sunday now. No. But no, that's what we have to make sure that we're the ones that we're standing in the right place in God's eyes. Amen. That we, but also that we can become entangled by sin and lust the same way Samson did. The strongest man that ever lived. Yet, he was entangled with such a simple thing. That walking the line of sin will ultimately end in destruction. Don't walk the line of sin that the end of the line will never be what God intended. 
There are too many people that have lives that are going in a direction that God never intended. Oh, did God forgive them? Did God uh, take away, did uh, God uh, save them from sin? Did God forgive their sin when they repented? Absolutely, yes, but the consequence for sin still remains. And they're on a path that they never were intended to be on. And there's nothing you can do to change that. So many times, look at the grace of God. I'm sorry, it doesn't take away a broken marriage. It doesn't take away children who have turned their back on God because of your hypocrisy. It doesn't take that away. And we have to understand something, that when we walk down the path of sin and we say, well, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where it ended up. I was sold a bill of goods, but you decided to mock God. You decided to go down that path, and you decided to believe a liar. And we know the devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. So tonight, let's not believe the lie. Too many Christians are believing the lie that I'll be different. That happened to Samson, but it won't happen to me. It'll happen to you like it's happened to generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of people. And that's man's fatal flaw. It won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. Amen. Some of you who lived a little while said, yep. Maybe some of you said that at one time or another. It won't happen to me. Did it? Oh, yeah, it happened. So tonight, let's learn the lesson of Samson. We look at him like, man, what could have been? What God could have done? What more could he have done with Samson? But he let his lust and his eyes get in the way. So let's not let our flesh get in the way. And that's our memory verse, 1 John 2, 16. For this week, we'll get to that in just a moment. That's our new memory verse for this week. So let's learn the lesson of Samson. Let's pray.